Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. On this episode, Bishop continues breaking down the four marks of the church, this time focusing on the third mark, Catholic. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, here again with our good bishop. Thanks for being here, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. We've been talking about the four marks, and how well-known do you think these four marks are, I guess, before listening to this podcast? Do you think this is something that Catholics are aware of? Yeah, because we, we say it all the time that we believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church, but I think sometimes, you know, each one of them and what each means in, I think, probably a lot of people aren't familiar with. They might have a general idea. So that's why it's good we're talking about the marks. Well, and like you said, we we say it every time we say the creed, but I don't remember learning about them in Catholic school as as the four marks, as like something special. Right. And I, I mean, we just kind of plow through that a lot of times in the creed and and never think of those being four individual, specific, important things. Right, right. I think anyone who studies ecclesiology, which is theological study of the church, Mm -hmm. does learn. It's kind of a typical schema that one would look at each mark of the church and what it means and and theologically reflect on it. And maybe we did learn it in grade school. There's a lot I I have forgotten since then. So good to have this review and to go in more depth about them. So we did an episode on one and holy, uh, two episodes actually, one and holy. So if you missed those, go back and check out those episodes. Today we're talking about Catholic, and then our next episode will be about apostolic. So when we use the word Catholic, how are we using that word in this context? Well, first of all, it's it's it comes from the Greek, katholon, which means related to the whole okay. or according to the totality. Hmm. So when we talk about Catholic, it's the church is Catholic because Christ calls her to profess the whole faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, according to the whole, to preserve all the sacraments, to administer them and proclaim the good news to all. Christ sent the the church to all nations. Mm-hmm. So another translation would be, or description, is universal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so there's kind of this double meaning to the word Catholic, because on the one hand, according to the totality means that, okay, Christ is present in the church, and therefore the church has the truth that has been revealed to us. The church has the fullness of the means of salvation. So that's what Catholic means. Hmm. And then in the second sense, more that sense of, of, of being missionary, that the church is Catholic because she's been sent out by Christ to the whole human race with mm-hmm. this mission. So I think it's good to, to remember, and, and when you read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it talks about what Catholic means, the double sense, mm-hmm. the fullness of the faith, which the church possesses, as well as the fullness of the means of salvation and also this universal mission. The first time we find the word Catholic in Christian literature is very early on, the letter of St. Ignatius of Antioch to the Smyrnians, the church in Smyrna. So this would be around 100 AD. And he wrote, 
in that letter to the Smyrnians, the church where there is Christ Jesus, there is the Catholic church. Where there is Christ Jesus, there is the Catholic church. Hmm. So that's St. Ignatius of Antioch. So what are some practical ways that we see the church being Catholic in this universal sense? Maybe, maybe before that, is there a distinguishing factor between Catholic as a denomination and Catholic as universal, or are those interconnected? Well, yeah. I mean, if you notice in the creed, it's not capitalized. Okay. In a sense, we could say it's, it basically means that the church proclaims the fullness of the faith and the totality of the faith. Again, remember that original meaning of the word Catholic. And she bears and administers the fullness of the means of salvation in the sacraments, and she's sent out by Christ on a mission to the whole human race. Now, Catholic with a capital C is probably first used in the 11th century when mm. there was the split of the Orthodox, the Eastern split, the schism, that uh -huh. great schism in 1054. And it was a way where the, the East would be called the Orthodox Church and the West was called the Catholic Church. Okay. So the small c is, is more like a, the universal, not specifically the denomination. And that's why I believe there's some Protestant churches that'll pray the creed saying they believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church. They're yeah. not meaning the denomination that we are a part of. Correct. That. But now... This is really important to understand, and you can read this in the Second Vatican Council and also in the Catechism. It says that the Church of Christ subsists in the Catholic Church mm -hmm. with a capital C. Okay. Okay. In other words, when you look at Protestant churches, they don't have the fullness, okay, because they have separated, they're separated from the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about, so they, they are in what we call imperfect communion with the church. Okay. Yes, they are Christians. They have part of the truths, mm -hmm. a large part of the truths of the faith. They have a few of the sacraments, but they're not united with the Pope. Mm -hmm. And they are separated brothers and sisters. Yeah, the best term is to say they are imperfect communion. Okay. And then even because of this whole universality, even others who are not Christians have a relationship with the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So when you look at this part of the catechism where it talks about the church is Catholic and it talks about who belongs to the Catholic Church, those who are fully incorporated are those who are professing the whole faith, who are, and the sacraments, they're, they're, united celebrating all seven sacraments they're in communion with the pope and the bishops so they're joined to the, in the visible structure of the church of christ and the church who which is led by the pope and the bishops so when we talk about them these other christians who are not catholic they do not profess the catholic faith in its entirety and they haven't preserved unity or communion under the successor of St. Peter. Mm -hmm. So they are in communion with the Catholic Church, but it's imperfect. It's not full communion. Right. 
And when we talk about non-Christians, okay, they have not yet received the gospel, but yet they have a relationship to the church. When, for example, we look at our link with the Jewish people, the first to hear the word of God. So the Jewish faith is already a response to God's revelation in the Old Covenant. So there is a relationship that the church has with non-Christians. So what are some, maybe getting back to the previous question, what are some practical ways that we see this universality lived out within the church? Well, I think when we look at it from the perspective of, of the missionary aspect, I think is, is one way that we can look at this, mm-hmm. that the church has a mission from the Lord, which is to go out to all nations. So we have this missionary mandate, and the church is universal in that it's for people of every nation, every language, every race. So this mission is a requirement of our Catholicity. Mm-hmm because that was what Jesus commanded us, go forth to all nations Mm -hmm. and proclaim the good news and baptize. That was his missionary mandate to the apostles. So the church, in obedience to that command of Jesus, has this missionary nature and this extremely important, guided by the Holy Spirit, we're to continue the mission of Christ in the course of history. We are really called to proclaim to everyone the good news Mm -hmm. of the gospel. So the universality is beautiful. And this is kind of related also to the first mark of the church being one, because the church goes out to all the world and has this universal mission to invite people into the one body of Christ. And so it has a mission for the unity, really, of the human race when Mm -hmm. you think about it. The catechism speaks also of each particular church is being Catholic. And by particular church, Mm. it's basically a community in which all those elements that are essential are present. For example, as we talked about when we talked about the church being one, we're one in faith. Okay, We, we share the same profession of faith. We also are one in you know, the celebration of the sacraments and one through the church's hierarchical structure through the bishops and the Pope. So each particular church, the Catholic church, the church of Christ is present in all the particular churches. Okay. Mainly when the church uses that term, particular churches, they're referring to dioceses, but it could be another entity similar to a diocese, but because there's some missionary territories that dioceses aren't, set up yet, but they are prefectures or vicariates. And the Church of Christ is present in all of these legitimately organized local groups of the faithful. And each of these local churches, like think about our diocese, each of these particular churches, I should say, we have a a community of the faithful who are in communion of faith and sacraments with the bishop, the bishop who is ordained in apostolic succession. So the one unique Catholic church exists in these particular churches. Mm -hmm. They're fully Catholic through their communion with the Church of Rome Mm -hmm. under the successor of St. Peter. 
Do we know if there is literally a Catholic church in every country? Have we gone out to all nations? That's a really good question. Uh, I would have to look if there's any countries that don't have any any Catholics or any Catholic community. Uh-huh. I really don't know. I think there there are certainly missionary countries where there are very few Catholics. Yeah. But are there any where there are none? I, I don't know. I'm sure there are remote areas that have never had any exposure to Catholics. Right, where they might be very little population, human population. Yeah. How much of an obligation is there on the church to go to those places? Yeah, it is the missionary mandate. I think it's really important. And that's why we've had so many courageous missionaries. We have many missionary saints Mm -hmm. who, you know, went into dangerous areas and, and became martyrs. I mean, think of the beginnings of the church in North America. We have the North American martyrs, those Jesuit priests up in Canada and northern New York mm-hmm. State, or the Spanish missionaries in the southern part of the United States and the West, and the French missionaries who really brought the gospel to the Midwest and to our diocese, what is today the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. Mm-hmm. They endured many hardships, but it was their faith, their courageous faith, that led them to make that sacrifice. And that still goes on today. I mean, there are areas of the world where it's dangerous and where we still have missionaries. One of the things that you mentioned was that the connection between the first mark, which is one, you know, one meaning we talked about the unity and then Catholic being universal. I want to talk a little bit about maybe the similarities and differences between those two. But before we do, though, if you have any questions for Bishop, you can text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And we'll continue to talk about the church being Catholic, how it's similar or different from being one, salvation outside of the church, and more coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives with products, services, and education. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it back to our members. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with Bishop talking about the four marks of the church. We've talked about one and holy. Now we're talking about Catholic and seems like there's some similarities in here. As you've been describing it, I've I've noticed a different slant to it. But one, we talked about unity and Catholic. We're talking about universality. At, at first, when I when I heard of those two, I was like, well, what's the difference between the two? Can you break down a little bit of, of yeah, how they're different or similar? Of, yeah, because we're talking about one mystery, the mystery of the church. So there is yeah. kind of an overlap, I yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about one faith, one baptism, one church. And we're talking about the universal teaching of the church mm-hmm. as well. So that note of Catholicity has, as I mentioned, this idea of the totality of the faith. So, yeah, there is a very clear relationship between being one and being universal. There are certain challenges to to this as well. I mean, we obviously have talked before about 
divisions that have mm-hmm. happened. So the unity of the church has been wounded. We've had schisms, for example, we talked about in the 11th century where the East, you know, basically broke off and the Orthodox Church began. In the 16th century, we have divisions in the church in the West with the Protestant Reformation. So there have been wounds to unity, but there are also dangers of wounds to our Catholicity, our universality. And you might wonder, well, what what is what are the challenges to the church's Catholicity? You know, all of the particular churches, the dioceses or the church in certain nations like Germany, mm. you know, we're talking about the universal oneness of the Catholic church. But what happens if one of these particular churches or one of these nations, the church in one of these nations, starts promoting teachings that are not part of the universal teaching Mm -hmm. or dissenting from it? That can damage the Catholicity. That's why it's really important that the bishops be in communion with the Pope and in professing the same apostolic faith, preaching the one universal gospel and not kind of go off. That has happened in different times. I mean, we see, for example, it's wonderful that we have national Episcopal conferences, Mm -hmm. but we can't teach separate from Rome, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think some of the things with the synod, the synodal path in Germany are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah to unity and Catholicity. Mm. We have to safeguard our Catholicity and make sure, for example, that, you know, the church's sacramental, uh, doctrinal disciplines are properly observed so that, you know, it can't be like okay in one country and not okay in another country regarding certain disciplinary measures. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the role of the Pope, really, you know, that it's important that there always be this communion. That's why we have a code of canon law that's universal. It applies to all the particular churches. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is entirely accurate, so correct me where I'm going off here, but would, would it be safe to say within the church, we have this unity and that's this oneness, but there's kind of an external universality that it's for everyone, even if they're not in unity, like if if somebody doesn't believe still, it's still for them. Correct. Like they might not realize it and they might not be open to it, but the church is for everyone. But within the church, we have to be united and the teachings of the church have to be one and united. But the universality goes beyond that. Correct. Welcoming those that are not yet united. Hopefully will be someday. Right. I think that's a very good way of explaining it. I mean, that's what the ecumenical movement is about, for example, with other Christians. I mean, one of the things, as I've said, is, okay, they are are part of the church. They're just not fully, they're not in in perfect communion with the church. So we need to work together, sometimes through no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have people who were born Methodists or born Lutherans or baptized. And I mean, that's how they were raised. Are they called to communion with the Catholic Church? I would say yes, Mm -hmm. because the Catholic Church has the fullness of the teachings and also all the sacraments, et cetera, and are in communion with the the Bishop of Rome. 
and even those who are not Christian still have this relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, the church is supposed to be the sacrament of unity of the whole human race. So therefore, there are elements of Catholic truth, even in some non-Christian religions. Mm-hmm. Those, for example, who profess faith in one God, right. who is the creator of the universe. Obviously, we have a much closer relationship with the Jewish Jewish faith, mm-hmm. Jewish people. We have a particular link with them because God chose the Jewish people to receive his word. And of course, the word of God became flesh in the womb of Mary, the Holy Family. I mean, they were Jewish. Mm-hmm. So there is that special bond. But even with other non-Christian religions, there's a bond between all peoples, which comes from our common origin as as creatures of God, that we've been created in his image and likeness. So the Catholic Church recognizes that whatever is good or true in other religions comes from God and is a reflection of his truth that can prepare them for the acceptance of the gospel. And this is very rich teaching. This is brought out a lot in the teachings of the Second Vatican Council. Well, even under the heading of Catholic, that the mark of Catholic in the catechism, it talks about Muslims. Right, right. And there is a bond between the Catholic Church and Muslims because they do profess faith in one God who is creator. So how does this relate to salvation? And when we talk about, again, under this heading in the catechism, it talks about salvation outside of the Catholic Church versus there's no salvation outside of the church. Well, the church has always taught outside the church, there is no salvation. But what does that mean? Yeah. It means that all salvation comes from Christ through his body, the church. So Christ is the head. All salvation comes from Christ, the head, through the church, which is his body. So they cannot be saved, according to the Second Vatican Council, who knowing that the church is founded by Christ and necessary for salvation, refuses to enter her or to remain in her. At the same time, thanks to Christ and to his church, those who through no fault of their own don't know the gospel of Jesus and his church, but they're sincerely seeking God and moved by grace, try to do his will as it's known through their conscience, can attain eternal salvation. Mm -hmm. But that salvation, it, it does come from Christ, you know, through his body, the church, even if they don't explicitly know Christ. Right. And his church. That's the way we understand that sentence outside the church, there is no salvation. I kind of imagine like a locked door that you come up to the door and it opens up and you go in, but you might not realize that there was a person that let you in and whether you knew it or believed it, like that's how you got in. You got in because of Jesus. He let you in. Right. Right. Uh, So yeah, it's faith in, in Jesus and the church that gets us in. But even if we don't realize it, there's potential that Jesus still has mercy. Yeah, exactly. How many do you think, I forget exactly how you worded it, but that if you know and reject it, right, that's, I don't know. Yeah, you can't be saved. Right. But how many 
actually know and reject. It seems like if you knew, you wouldn't reject it. Right. So if you're rejecting it, there's something inside that there's a misconception, there's a misunderstanding or something that you don't fully know the truth if you're rejecting it. Right. And that's where, you know, God is ultimately the judge. We, We cannot know the state of someone else's soul in that regard. I know many, you know, I know uh, very faithful people who are not Catholic, who sincerely believe what they believe, who are following their conscience. They're trying to do God's will. They're sincerely seeking God. I can't imagine that they would be excluded from heaven, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not their fault. Right. So that's, yeah, we kind of leave this um, into the hands of, of, of God, our judge. Some will say, well, then why does the church even bother with missionary work? And mm-hmm. that's because it's obviously much better to, to know Christ fully in as much as we can know Christ in this world to know and to be able to receive all the graces we receive in the sacraments. So that is, I mean, Jesus is the gate. He is the door to heaven. And to have an explicit knowledge of him is better than, is obviously helpful, you know, for our eternal salvation. Of course, someone could have all the truth and be Catholic and have all the the sacraments and be in communion with the Pope and still lose salvation because of mortal sin. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee that one is going to heaven because one belongs to the Catholic Church. Right. You know, we all, you know, need to be purified of our sins. We're all in need of conversion and purification. But if one is hard of heart and, for example, doesn't love one's neighbor, et cetera, mm-hmm. one's soul is in danger, even if one has the benefit of all the sides. It's almost like we have a bigger responsibility. Sure. To whom more is given, more is expected, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. So in some ways it gives us hope. So loved ones that have passed away and, and maybe, you know, we're on a, on the wrong path in some way or another, we can have hope that, you know, God would have mercy on them. At the yeah. same time, we, we can look at ourselves and kind of know that we're under more scrutiny and, and that there's more expected of us and that we, we can't assume our salvation, that we need to continue to, to work to, to love better and to live the life better. Yeah, there is a lot of that sin of presumption today. You know, it's mm. it's dangerous. You know, there's the two opposite sins against the virtue of hope. One is the sin of presumption, which is, you know, just presuming that and taking for granted or or whatever that one is going to heaven. So, you know, I was, you know, like like okay, I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, so I don't have to worry. I can break God's commandments and I'll still get to heaven. No, that's the sin of presumption. Yeah. You know, the other extreme is the sin of despair, where one just doesn't trust in the love and mercy of God and despairs of, and, and, and has no hope of salvation. That sin of despair is a lack of trust in God's love. Mm-hmm. So we have to avoid both opposite sins and live in hope. Yeah. Well, this was, took a, a much more 
interesting path that I was expecting. But this has been a, a really good series so far. If you again, if you missed one and holy, check those out. Past episodes talking about the four marks of the church. Next time we will talk about apostolic and kind of wrap this up. Looking forward to where that goes. So thank you for sharing this with us, Bishop. Before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.